Well, we just got what's got to be easily one of the most 2020 no-one-gives-a-fuck headlines ever. Indeed. So apparently, aliens from the Galactic Federation contacted the U.S. and Israel and had friendly terms of them. But apparently the rest of us are not ready. So does that mean the Galactic Federation is a genocidal, warmongering pack of capitalist assholes or something? Possibly. I mean, I think I'd rather take my chances with the- I would rather take my chances with the dolphins, thank you. <laughs> Turns out Independence Day was um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We are here for your natural resources. <laughs> I'm, it's just... Yeah. Uh, at least, I mean, it, it is kind of entertaining that this happens, and I mean... You know, whether or not this is even remotely credible, you know, your mileage may definitely mm-hmm. vary. Um. <laughs> I mean, I, for one, am willing to work for contact. Um, so if any minds are out there listening, um, I'd like to hook up. Please and thank you. Uh. <laughs> And this is um, save us from this galactic federation. Are you sure it's not backed by the Idrians? or you know the fucking Pleiadians or something? I mean, and before you think we're, we've just completely cracked and we're reading from you know Alex Jones's like fucking receipts bin. This is in the Jerusalem Post. The guy's name is Haim Ashed. Uh, he's 87 years old and was the head of Israel's like space security program for 30 years. Yeah. It's <clears throat> it is a trip. Read it for yourself. It's it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and like nobody else is. But there's there's a reason we would. <laughs> there is a reason we would rather deal with whatever aliens are not the Galactic Federation because either. Well, I mean, there is an alternate explanation. They're basing their entire impression of humanity on Israel. Mm. And they've correctly decided that Israel is not ready for contact. I, I think that's fair. <laughs> I, I think that's a much, yeah. like, yeah. You know, it, assuming this guy isn't, like... <sighs> totally yeah, cracked. I mean, that's also possible. Like, this whole crisis did start with, like, a German finance minister committing suicide when he saw how bad the numbers were for COVID and the economy back in February, so... Yeah. 
Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. Can we read this shit so you really don't have to. <laughs> um, I'm Miss Silver. With me is the Doc. Um, so our top story. The Brexit talks. Oh, yeah. So... Are they <laughs> happening? <laughs> we do have an update that was breaking as of time of recording that Boris Johnson has promised to remove the provisions regarding Good Friday that blatantly violate an international law. <laughs> yeah. Which is, that can only be a good thing. But as far as whether or not they, you know have a workable deal that's that's another question entirely i'm afraid it's very frustrating yeah this is because in the middle of you know them saying okay we're not going to light ireland on fire we promise um boris is now saying the two sides may have to accept no deal is threatening again to suspend talks and totally cannonball the UK out of the temporary agreement that's currently holding the British economy together with some spit and tape. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucking nuts. Um, there's just not a lot to say about it, really. I mean, we could go on and on about how... You know, the UK has successfully owned itself, um, has been corn-cobbed, but at this point, we're all tired of hearing it. We all just want the UK to go away. Uh, I mean, at some point, there's going to be a Patreon special from us about this. Um, yeah. By the way, throw in a fiver <laughs> at Patreon slash Chop Shop Economics. Um uh, if you want to get bonus content and you pay our server bills <laughs> so you know but the thing that and this isn't new from boris he has been doing this kind of brinksmanship since he was brought into Theresa may's cabinet like this kind of oh, stupidly yeah. reckless gambling is sort of his thing but at this point all the stuff I'm reading, at least from European news sources, from like Le Monde and Der Spiegel all the way down, is pretty clearly suggesting that uh, Michel Barnier, the lead negotiator for the European Union, is sort of done. And the EU Council yeah. is not fucking around. I mean, if you had to deal with the UK, you'd be sick of them, too. Especially with the current leadership. I at this point, Macron but... is threatening to scuttle any deal that does not sufficiently protect the EU from his perspective. And if France is going get fucked, then... <sighs> Sorry, Westminster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose you can bitch on it about, uh, bitch about it on Mumsnet or whatever the fuck. The rainy fascism island gets owned again. Shown of Ark's revenge. Mm hmm. Ah, meanwhile, 
across the pond. <sighs> what are we going to do with DC? They, they just, they don't Swear get to it. God. I mean, we, de- we debated this as our last word, not even last week, is do these people not understand how colossally bad the economic situation is? Right now, I just, I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I don't think they're, they are not taking this crisis seriously enough. They think that it's going to be just like the Obama years, where they threw a little money around and everything's going to be fine. And we just need to, like, you know, suck it up and die. And nothing better proves just the sheer bordering on just criminal, like, you should be losing power of attorney kind of recklessness shit, is Congress did manage to scrape together a bipartisan uh, massive supermajority to give the Pentagon another $740 billion fucking dollars. Yeah. A mere seven forty billion. That there's money for Wall Street. There's money for guns. But fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's what this is. Yeah. yeah, small business hirings might get a little um, PPP as a treat, but the rest of you can get fucked because you know. The small business tyrants are the Republican space, and we are not. We just work for them. Yeah. Or we work for some faceless mega corporation. And, uh, I mean, it's <laughs> either way. It's so. <laughs> it's just so recklessly, stupidly evil at this point. It's, I mean, the fact that this massive defense appropriations bill passed without a fuss also goes to show what a pathetic parliamentarian Nancy Pelosi is. Did um did Trump did Trump like vote it down? He's threatening or? to veto it cuz of the base renaming issue and it looks like there's enough votes to not care, but it's <laughs> you've been uh, I think it was Two trillion dollars yeah. that we needed back in May. It didn't happen. Um, and Pelosi just sort of walked away after throwing it in the hopper and went, well, we'll just go on to other things. And sure, we'll give like the DHS another $20 billion to disappear people and do horrible shit. And sure, we can give like the DOD money. It's like, no, no, you grossly irresponsible human being. The house has the power of the purse. Yeah. You absolutely had the power to say, okay, Mitch, we're not paying for any of this shit until you pay, until you pass a relief bill. Full stop. Yeah. She could have returned GOP and... hardball with hardball. <laughs> it's like now, I mean, a package that, uh, the sort of package they were offering back in May, like, you know, $2.4 trillion, I'm not even sure that's enough. It, it isn't now. It would have like, been enough in May. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're staring down the barrel of mass evictions um, because the mortgage um, 
more, uh, the rent and the mortgage moratoriums, most of them expire in well, at the end of the year. I mean, there's just no way around there's it. There's no money. It's not like there's going to be anyone renting. Yeah. Not at this rate. I mean, what they want is it's untenable. Like, there's no pause button, so we're just all... <sighs> it's fucked. And this is, you know, this is directly contributing to the spread of COVID because, you know, the polls are basically being marched to the pandemic killing fields and... God damn it. And to give you some numbers, like the original House proposal back in May was $2.4 trillion. This one is $900 mm-hmm. billion. It would scale down the added unemployment to money, which previously was like the Bernie Bucks, 600 a week extra, to 300 a week. That 300 a week is not retroactive. And you wouldn't even get the $1,200 Trump Bucks. And the bill, for the Republicans to be okay with it, has to include a liability shield, so businesses can't be sued for disregarding the health and safety of their workers over COVID. No. You know what? You know what? I think what we should do with with Congress is we we should make them bag groceries. No masks. Go bag groceries in Florida for a week. Yeah. I mean, what else is there to say? I bet you threatened them with that, and they would quickly change their tune. It it's just you know? so. I don't really have an explanation for why the neo libs in the house are just being taken for a ride and not willing to do the kind of hardball they could have done to say no you dumbass we need to save the economy and the country like i mean the explanation pelosi's given as well there's gonna be a vaccine in the spring so we don't actually need that 2.4 trillion dollars that every economist and their mother was saying we needed like nine months ago no 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 we'll be fine we'll just make it to the vaccine and the free market fairy will fix everything Yeah, yeah. I mean, what else is there? Like, I am sorry, but Trump didn't buy enough vaccine uh, when he had the chance, and he was trying to actually do like some sort of executive order to get around this, but the fact of the matter is that beyond the doses they bought from Pfizer... Like, there's only, what, um, they won't have any more until, like, June? June. Yeah, and and then we have these absolute fucks, like Rick Santelli, who's back in the news. I mean, for those who forgot good old Rick, here's a little reminder. Maybe we'd be just better off if we gave it to everybody 
and then in a month it would be over because the mortality rate of this probably isn't going to be any different if we did it that way than the long-term picture. But the difference is we're re wreaking havoc on global and domestic economies. So that's Mr. Let's do a Holocaust to save the economy. Well, now he's back, and I'm really not sure what a good word for it is, but somehow this guy is still considered a serious business analyst and not, like, a serial killer. You can't tell me that shutting down, which is the easiest answer, is necessarily the only answer. Rick, I just, I, I just as, a, as, a, as a public health and public service announcement uh, for the audience, the difference wait, between wait, a big all, box retailer... Who is this? Hold on. The difference between... <clears throat> it's oh, Andrew. The, different, the difference between <laughs> a else? big box retailer... Hold on. The difference between a big box retailer and a restaurant, or frankly, even a, a church, are so different it's unbelievable. Going I into a big box retailer, I disagree. You're I disagree. You're wearing you can a mask. have your thoughts and I you're can have mine. You're required to wear a mask. I disagree. I, it's science. I'm sorry. It's science. If it's you're wearing a mask, science. it's a different story. 500 people at a Lowe's aren't any safer than 150 people in a restaurant that holds 600. I don't believe it. <sighs> the best and brightest, everyone. America's <sighs> best and brightest. This is why we pay them the big bucks. He's. These people are gonna get fucking killed. They're really going for the self-defense argument, aren't they? Mm-hmm. No court, n no jury, no court <laughs> would convict. Hypothetically. This is your regular reminder that we are not just... lawyers. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> It is, it's just so fucked, it's so fucked, it's fucked. Ah, uh, Yeah. The economy is not Can someone turn him into a pickle? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just shove him in a drawer. Let him rot. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Ugh. <sighs> this is just but, all of this just has this whole some of you may die but that is a sacrifice I'm willing to make vibes oh yeah <laughs> so yeah <sighs> not much else to say there really <sighs> yeah pretty I mean, much we'll have a lot more to say at the end but what do you say to this? <laughs> I don't know. I'm. I don't. I don't have the fucking words anymore. I just. I want to say things that will get me on watch lists. <laughs> exactly. It's... These guys are they? I mean, so, they're yeah. definitely trying to get us killed. I'm not sure if they're trying. If they have a death wish too. So, moving Something on. Something happier, at least. Labor. Yeah. 
<laughs> so where do we start? Oh wait, with Indian farmers being the most based motherfuckers on the planet right now. Hell yeah. So, for those who may have seen this briefly flash across your feeds, um, there is now a massive farmer's strike going on in India. And when I say farmer's strike, I don't mean farmers are downing tools and refusing to work. I mean farmers from across India, particularly from like Punjab and other Sikh-majority regions, have loaded up their trucks and uh, encircled the capital. <laughs> Yeah. As you do. As you do. And the reason why is pretty straightforward. Um, Narendra Modi, the um, Indian version of Donald Trump, which I think is actually a bit insulting to Modi because he is capable of paying attention to things for more than three seconds. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> as is displayed here, decided to try to use the whole disaster of COVID to jam through a law that would have gotten rid of price controls that protect small farmers and opened up Indian agriculture to massive agribusiness and basically take millions of people who are already pretty close to precarity and shove them into full-on debt peonage. Yeah. I mean, this is... This is how the family farm died in America. Like, people lose their tenancy, get driven off the land, then, you know, the people still barely manage to hang on to their land by the skin of their teeth, they lose it too, and now here we are, where, you know, <laughs> and so obviously it's like, yeah, they're gonna resist that. Hats off. I mean, this is just... This is just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, this isn't just like, okay, we're doing downing tools and doing civil disobedience. This is, fuck you, we are laying siege to New Delhi. Yeah, because... <sighs> I mean, it just... Well, if you're... If you're in this position, like... You know, this isn't going to be proletarianization. This is going to just be, you're dead. Like, their industrial sector cannot possibly absorb this many people. And, I mean, you gotta, you gotta yeah. fight service workers yeah. in the D.C. metro area, if you get any ideas, any at all, we would love to interview you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> and they're not the only ones fighting back. Among others, um... UK students plan their largest storm strike in 40 years, saying, we won't be cash cows. And, and, yeah. I mean... It's beautiful. And, <laughs> uh, this is a thing that goes back to, to use the fancy term for a second, the marketization of higher education, which is another way of saying we are turning your college experience into a customer service nightmare. 
um, that you have to pay us yeah. for out the nose and mortgage your future to get a piece of paper that will absolutely not guarantee you any sort of employment, but you've been told by all the adults it will. Yeah. And it's like these these people are like, well, you need to come back because uh, hand wave. And it turns out, you know, you can't do anything because you're basically sealed in your dorms for the semester. And... I mean, that's just a shit show all around, because, like, the thing that's not been said yeah. as much, at least not by the university authorities, is the reason why they're hurting everybody into basically these giant plague wards. Because some of the biggest outbreaks that have been happening in the UK since students were made to go back to university have been university campuses. Because, I mean, no joke, a lot of these dorms were designed by people who cut their teeth building prisons. Like, not exaggerating, this is like a fact you can look up. Um, the university I went to, Holy that was literally shit. the case. Um, and so these are not anywhere near what you could call COVID-safe accommodations. And the reason they're hurting them back in isn't just because they're like, no, fuck you, we're going to run education like a business. It's also because they then are using student fees to fund what has been a massive wave of building and capital investment and all these things that are supposed to make the universities more attractive, but mostly look like a great source of graft. And yep. those only work because students are paying their dorm fees. Mm -hmm. And the hell of it is, is you don't even get to use the existing accommodations because you're locked in the dorms. Everything's closed. Except when you have to do face-to-face -face teaching in totally unsafe, yeah. from a COVID perspective, circumstances with overworked graduate TAs who are being told they have to go out and do this clearly unsafe work because either they need the money to stay ahead or if you don't then you're going to be scuttling your hopes of a career in academia <laughs> god damn cause you know it's not like COVID has triggered the largest loss of jobs in higher education in American history and is totally not doing the same thing in Britain um yeah. <laughs> it's not like tenured faculty are being thrown out in the street. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, the NUS was saying, I mean, student loans, um, as far as like rent payments go, um, the school gets um, 73% as of 2018 up from 58% in 2012. Like, that's... not gonna lie, that's where a lot of my money used to go. Um, and, you know, I wasn't getting very much for school. I was getting, like, you know, 4,000 bucks, and that's supposed to last me an entire fucking quarter with, you know, the rent being what it is. I mean, 
Thankfully, my situation changed, but... Good God. So, yeah, it's... Good on them. There's already, like, hundreds of students Mm. signing up. Like, 400 at Cambridge. Um, Many more at Manchester University, who was, like, an epicenter of the organizing. Because, of course, that is Red Manchester. Long live the People's Republic. Um, so we'll be watching this space good luck to y'all and fuck those overpaid principals who get houses and cars and 300,000 pounds a year to make these kind of insanely lethal decisions so on to banking and finance. Am I reading this right? Jesus. I'm pretty fuck. sure you are because you're having an appropriately sane reaction to it. <laughs> what water futures? <laughs> California gets free drops of water. Every decade. And you're telling me that they get to <laughs> auction them off as futures? Yep. Oh my god. The Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the same geniuses who have given us financial futures and all kinds of other instruments that totally didn't go horribly wrong and destroy the economy several times in the last four decades. I've now added California water futures as a tradable contract. Uh, it's already trading at a pretty healthy uh, margin. Um, 496 index points equal to 496 per acre foot. Um, it's a $1.1 billion uh, market for spot water contracts. Um that is water. Uh, can you explain spot prices? I suck so at this. So spot prices, basically, you're buying it right as the distributor is making it available. Like, a future guarantees that you get a certain price uh, and a certain volume at a predetermined date in the future, whereas a spot price is you're going down to the market and you're just going to see what happens. Um, yeah. For the IT nerds, um, you know, you buy cloud instances. Um, you can buy them either spot price or monthly. And as you might notice, the spot price is not cheap. Yeah. So, yeah, we are securitizing yet another vital commodity for life. Because that's never gone horribly wrong before. Never. Mm-hmm. July 2014 58% of the state's land suffering exceptional drought and they started screaming at people to um, don't you dare take fucking showers while you know the Central Valley was hogging down all uh, all three drops that they were promised because <laughs> let's totally grow water intensive crops in an arid environment 
Uh, fuck you. My shower is not doing anywhere near as much ecological damage to the state of California as the fucking almond farms. Or the rice paddies. In the Central Valley. Though you're still an asshole if you have a green lawn. (laughs) You just, there's no valid reason to have those. Not in California anymore. Yeah. Or ever, really. But especially now. So, yeah, it's not like, you know, securitizing (laughs) a commodity that is vital for life has ever gone horribly wrong before. It's not like there's never been an experience in California or in American history or in economic history generally of this backfiring terribly. I, I, I seem to remember a business that, um, kind of had some problems back in the early 2000s concerning another commodity that is arguably necessary for human life in California. Uh, starting with an They were e, a bad apple. But bad apples. Enron was a bad apple. <laughs> they proved nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just gonna give the water to fucking Enron. <laughs> I mean, we know we can trust them. It's not like anyone named Goldman Sachs ever fucked up with something similar like housing before. Oh, yeah, no, no. Fucking <sighs> motherfuckers. And, you know, because they can't resist the American Bankers Association. Uh, <sighs> has approached the Food and Drug Administration asking for bank employees to jump ahead of the line for getting a COVID vaccine and jump so far ahead of the line that they're getting ahead of people who are immunocompromised and healthcare workers. Yeah. So, I mean... The original version of this story was basically, um, we want you to give everyone in the finance industry, um, you know, we want, we want you to give them the vaccine, um, after healthcare workers, uh, but before the immunocompromised. Now they've more sensibly limited it to towers and rural banking branch employees, but I mean, come on, read the room. It says where their head's at that these colossal morons who are telling us the economy's totally fine and there's nothing to worry about and are paying people like Rick Santelli. Yeah. I mean, I don't see why. <clears throat> why can't you just tell them to use the fucking ATM? Just do that. I mean, oh, that's that's so. F- <sighs> that's what's so perverse about this is. I mean, part of it is there's regulations that say you have to actually have someone physically in the room with you for certain transactions because security of accounts and all that. But 
I mean, you mm-hmm. know that the people at the top are going to use this as an excuse to jump the line ahead of the tellers they're claiming to do this for, who usually aren't making oh, yeah. minimum like, wage, by the way. Um. Like, yeah, I absolutely see the logic in this. It's just, I don't trust them. I don't trust the, you know, <laughs> the executives to, like, Sorry, Teller, but you're, um, I'm taking your vaccine. <laughs> or for executives to start a, you know, spot market in COVID vaccines. Oh, God, don't, don't joke. Don't joke. That's, that's leave of heaven shit. <laughs> oh, come on, you know they're already trying to figure it out. I mean, if the Tyson managers who got suspended for having a Deadpool for which of the like poultry workers were going to die first, yeah, yeah. totally know Wall Street's figuring out a way to both get to the front of the line and find a way to securitize it and spend bullshit money out of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These... I mean, again, it's just massively fucked up, and I don't, I don't begrudge towers getting them because you know they're service workers who they they have to deal with customers too and all of their insane, insipid little demands. Um, so they are fellow workers. Yeah, especially because these are our fellow workers who are usually in the really unenviable position of having to tell somebody for reasons totally beyond that teller's control that, sorry, that loan you needed to stay in your home has been denied. Because number is sad. Yeah. Pretty much. And... I mean, usually that's someone else, but then they go and yell at the tower as if they can do anything about it. So, um... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's Tuesday, so Wall Street must be fucking around. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm of two minds about this. Um, for obvious reasons. I don't want those assholes jumping the line. I mean... Every vaccine that is not being administered to a nurse or a doctor or a medical assistant or an orderly is another nurse or doctor or medical assistant or orderly who potentially can't work and... Our healthcare system's already on the edge of collapse as of right now. So for anyone representing any industry to have the sheer just unmitigated gall to suggest that they're more important than keeping people alive. Yeah. I mean, it's like they want to... Like, these fuckers, originally they wanted to jump the queue, and 
declare themselves not only essential workers, but essential workers who are ahead of healthcare professionals. And then, you know, when that inevitably blew up in their faces, they were like, oh, no, 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 we, we, we just meant, um, we want towers included with essential workers. Which is, like, yeah, duh. Absolute pricks. If yeah. Jamie Dimon is on your operating table and you should happen to trip over the power cord, no one would blame you. Mm-hmm. <sighs> on to energy and climate. <sighs> Something actually a bit more uplifting. <laughs> circumstances. <laughs> yeah. So Bloomberg has finally noticed that there is such a thing as peak oil demand. Um, whether or not you agree that we've crossed the threshold for peak oil supply, it's increasingly clear that we've likely hit peak oil demand. Um, I mean, there's there's some black swan events that I think might be able to spike it back up, but in terms of demand, I think it's over. Yeah. BP, in fact, was the first of the oil made super majors to call it that 2020 is going to be retroactively seen as peak oil demand. Yeah. So the financial press is finally starting to notice this stuff. Um, took you long enough. Um, or rather, they're starting to notice that it has like, actual implications. <laughs> um, like, even OPEC is saying, well, it looks like it might happen, but it won't be for another two decades. Well, yeah, but they have to say that because, you know, Market demand. Okay. Slash don't scare the free market fairy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She gets twitchy. She's just resting. <laughs> She's not dead. <laughs> Clack, damn you. <sighs> so, yeah. It's the fact that Bloomberg's seeing this. I mean, we only just did a whole special on how the oil industry is completely fucked. And hi, mm. that Bloomberg can see the writing on the wall. It's, of course, they're yeah. going through the whole thing and constantly hedging and saying, well, there's a lot of different scenarios, there's different variables, things might play out differently. But then you roll down to this lovely chart that BP provided that Bloomberg cites, and it's from the BP 2020 Energy Outlook and the International Energy Agency. Which, even if business as usual comes back, and it won't, because we've already gone over at length, check out the special, The Death of Oil, for more details, that, re that demand's not rebounding, because there are bigger things at work in the market that have made oil untenable in the midterm. That even their most optimistic yeah. business as usual comes back, we're still going to see demand continually declining. Slow, slow. You know, at a rate that is salvageable. 
if your name is BP and you don't give a shit about the climate. <laughs> and if, you know, half ah. your industry isn't dropping like flies. Oh, yeah. And all the other forecasts just fall off a cliff. And no matter what, there's no way that you're going to see the rebound. Like, all the forecasts and outlooks that they're citing are going, this doesn't look good. And it really kind of (laughs) gives the impression that a lot of just Bloomberg's writing about, oh, well, this is all, like, theoretical, this is all for debate, is a lot less, like, reasoned analysis and a lot more some real serious whistling cast a mass grave. Yeah. So, in other news, um, we're finally starting to see some movement on a big problem with our lithium addiction. So, the thing that finally kind of unlocked workable electric cars, um, ones that didn't need all sorts of fussy, finicky maintenance and couldn't get out of their own way because sealed lead acid is heavy as fuck. Um, They finally cracked that problem by using lithium-ion batteries. And the big problem with those is those are hard to recycle. Um, They're not that difficult to reuse if you know what you're doing. But actually recycling them is very difficult. Um, It's not easy to disassemble a lithium cell, especially since a lithium just really wants to burn. It's very energetic. It really, really wants to meet its maker. And if you're along for the ride, then so be it. This is your Coca-Cola <sighs> quantum, folks. Except mm-hmm. in electricity storing format, instead of giving you a fuck you nuclear device. Um. Yeah. So, basically, the problem has been, in part, lithium recovery, because... The method for disposing of a cell safely has traditionally been um, a process called a pyrometallurgical process, where you burn the cell at like 3,000 degrees Celsius to um, overcome the barrier. Um, Like, you know, you just... Instead of letting the lithium explode, you just heat it up so quickly that it doesn't even have a chance to. It just pyrolyzes. Um, the trouble is, is that once it's in that ash form, recovering it that way is nearly impossible. Um, because all sorts of all sorts of nasty chemical processes would be required. Um, it's it's a chemistry thing. What they um, 
what this one company, uh, Norfolk in Europe, thinks they've done is they think they have a hydrometallurgical uh, method that successfully recovers the lithium. Which is pretty fascinating. It's, yeah, this is... <laughs> if lithium ion was the thing that made the green revolution possible then Northvolt perfecting this process is what will make it sustainable and also make elon yeah. musk's fever dreams of cooing random south american countries vanish in a puff of smoke yeah i mean we still need more lithium cells, but even just being able to recover them safely without turning the uh, without you know turning the lithium into an unsalvageable mess, um, chemically speaking, what you want out of it is lithium hydroxide um, because you can actually do stuff with that. Uh, what you don't want is you know, lithium down to like all sorts of nonsense. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a computer science major, not a chemistry major. I can't explain it to you. <laughs> I'm just going by this article. <laughs> but it's um this might be the solution. Or at least part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is I don't know, the energy and climate stuff has always been feeling pretty optimistic lately because the technology's there. The, or it's being yeah. developed fairly rapidly. There is no like material reason we can't shift to a green economy at this point. Right. I mean, it's like a lot of these are engineering problems and they can be solved. It's just until now we haven't really needed to solve them. Or at least there was um, no driving incentive that was able to override massive oil industry problems. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, capitalism is bad, kids. Remember, capitalism is profoundly terrible at dealing with the things they call externalities, which is another way of saying your right to breathe clean air and have a future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really doesn't help that ever since the government pretty much got out of the business of funding basic research, and they only really did it to get uh, to, you know, advance the cause of maximum soviet overkill ever since that money chap went dry we've been kind of fucked yeah. i mean china's just flipped the switch on their on a new experimental fusion reactor while the u.s is watching its largest and not just its largest the largest radio telescope on the planet collapse because we don't have the money to pay for it somehow yeah God damn it. I mean, that's... 
profit at all costs, no matter the cost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like... It's like I said in, you know, the death of oil thing. Um, we're not there yet in terms of kicking our dependence on oil, but we can see it from here. And we just got a huge mulligan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of irreversible changes... Uh... <laughs> Trade and logistics. So, China's trade surplus is, wow, 75.4 billion in November. Is that month to month? Um, no, it's. The, yeah, yeah, it looks like it. Month to month. Wow. And, yeah, it's. Worth pointing out, even though the AP report on this is emphasizing that this is because China was able to quickly contain COVID and get back to being a significant exporter of goods, which, let's be real, China sort of needs that to make their whole, like, setup work. Um, yeah. That's what they're saying. This is what power stingism. <laughs> but left unsaid here is China was consistently racking up growing trade surpluses over the United States throughout Trump's time in office. Mr. I'm going to be tough on China and bring the jobs back to America has probably been the best partner Beijing could have ever hoped for in increasing their exports to the United States. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, as much as he whines about China in public, he has, you know, he has definitely not contributed to um, the whole project of keeping China's human rights violations in check because he doesn't care about that shit. She can do whatever he wants as far as the U.S. is concerned. Um, just don't take from his business partners. Nope. And that's... This is a trend that's probably going to continue. Because, guess what? Mm -hmm. Congress has decided that instead of, you know, listening to people who know what the hell they're talking about in macroeconomics, like... Except, you know, idiots like Jason Furman or Rick Santelli. Please don't listen to them. One oh, of them yeah. wants to kill you. The other one was the moron who put us on a straight line to this exact moment in 2009. With his stupid West Wing yeah. brain bullshit. Um, Jesus Fuck. Anyone who, you know, actually knew what they were talking yeah. about would be like, no, the United States needs a massive reinvestment program. It needs an unprecedented level of spending that would eclipse what happened during the Second World War at this point. It, both for climate transition and just to get the hell out of this absolute shit show we're in right now where we might just see record numbers of homeless people in the streets. Um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, even today, there was a, uh, you know, there's eviction uh, defenses happening, like, daily now. Um, You don't hear about a lot of them because, you know, local story, but you'll be hearing a lot more about them in the future because they'll be the only thing we have left to prevent total catastrophe. Like, shockingly enough, it's not a good thing when most of the population is homeless. Yup. Homeless, jobless, and starving while Wall Street's popping the champagne corks. Where have we seen this movie mm-hmm. before? It it's it sounds familiar. I, I think it involves the numbers one nine one seven and one seven eight seven. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we rioted all the way back in like you know, May, June. I mean it's not that we're you know, there was that beautiful moment where burning down a police station was more popular than Biden and Donald Trump. As far as I know, it's still more popular. I just nobody's asked because they don't want to find out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think only people like us would have an interest in yeah. that question. <laughs> Though, speaking of people starting to wake the fuck up. The CEO of the Arizona mm-hmm. Chamber of Commerce uh, has put out a call with other chamber and business leaders for DC to pull its head out and start negotiating to get into the comprehensive and progressive agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, um, so that they can the U.S. can be sort of, kind of, maybe competitive in what's going to be the largest free trade zone on the planet um may so that we don't get like you know or rather they don't get completely left in the dust <laughs> yeah like of course they went into tpp and rcep because we got frozen out of both of those after you know trump decided to take us out of them. And I, I think he made the right move, but that was mostly... Right move for the wrong reasons um, and the wrong follow-up. For the wrong reasons. <laughs> like, TTP was mean, a giant pile of shit. Let's be real. It would have been one of those things that puts us on track for a Shadowrun future. Oh, yeah. Like, letting... I mean, big, uh, big content... The media cartels—they—they they really wanted some, frankly, unacceptable things. Shit like in international there. corporate um, courts. Yeah, for copyright and all sorts of other evil shit. Like, and basically, the moment that um, that we dropped out. Those provisions got quietly excised because it turns out that they weren't in anyone else's best interests. Because, duh. It's funny how that works. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, these days, now, if we'd be joining it, we would 
we wouldn't be negotiating over, like, you know, the contents. We'd be negotiating about where we were doing on, and on what terms, and we would not be, you know, we would not exactly be dictating terms here. At, at best, we can maybe salvage the situation and get into those. Or at least, you know, they can. I shouldn't say we, because we have nothing to do with wherever the fuck Washington oh, yeah. thinks. I mean, and this kind of like, shit lip trade deal scheme to create jobs has consistently never worked. <laughs> so it's not like we've suddenly caught a case of brain worms and think trade is good, unrestricted trade better, let corporations do whatever the hell they want. It's just, you know, when you can see from Arizona that American economic hegemony is fucked. Yeah. I mean, it's like... <laughs> at, uh, at best, I mean, it's like... What we're going to be seeing in the future is what the UK is already seeing. Which is the possibility that America will be finally subject to other hegemonies, um, market discipline, rather than us being the ones to discipline the world. Um, I mean, I don't think that either scenario is a good thing, but, like, if you, uh, if you've historically been on the, <laughs> on the receiving end of U.S. hegemony, I don't blame you for taking this as a win. Yeah. <laughs> totally can't blame if you. If we were policymakers in your shoes, we would be doing that. Mm -hmm. That's what anyone who would have an opportunity to absolutely nail a major market. And they're the system, yeah. I mean... This world is not necessary, but they certainly think it is. Yeah. I just. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like, please let us sign on to this trade deal, even though we didn't negotiate it. <laughs> we'll just be a junior partner in it. It's like. Just this pathetic simping. It's hilarious. It's, and I think it, it shows there's an awareness of. This is it. Global markets are closing out American power. The Washington consensus is fucking dead. And that actually puts us, I think, in a good spot for our last word. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Absolutely. So, as we were saying... America goes from L to L. I mean, what else can you say? <laughs> and the political class is out to lunch. They're too busy playing. Yeah. They're stupid circle jerk in D.C. They're stupid let's kiss up to the big donors bullshit. To recognize that the world is actively leaving them behind. Yeah. 
and I mean, I don't know that the world that they will create will be a good one, because, you know, we still live in the world system, and the world system we have now is capitalism. So, <laughs> obviously, that's not going to be good for anyone. Unless, you know, you're on top. Yeah. And this one is getting worse. Like, this is, I mean, to recap for a minute, we've got both parties now completely out to lunch on how colossally bad circumstances are. Like, I'm not sure if it's because they genuinely believe their own bullshit unemployment numbers or are at least one of the two partners is so dedicated to their like dominionist fascist fantasy that they are going to go full on fucking cannonball on the system that has protected them for so long. Like it's kind of perverse to see fascists trying to destroy a system that they've depended on, but you know, go figure. Um, (laughs) well, I mean, you know, accelerationism, and it's not like, you know, fascists have their own diversity of thought. Um, every man with his folly and all that fun stuff. So it's like, I'm not surprised that factions are working at cross purposes because they all agree that, you know, America needs to be changed. Some think it needs to be destroyed, some think it needs to be renewed, but they all agree that America has to change in their image. They don't know what that image will be, but it will not be, there will be no human face. And it's, there will be only be pain under the black stars and stripes. And what just makes it especially perverse is then you hop over to, like, the Democratic side of the aisle, and I mean, just to get a couple things out of the way here really quick, even if the Democrats pull the hat trick in Georgia, they're still not Mm going to get shit done. The vice president doesn't get to vote on things like abolishing the filibuster or the other stupid arcane Senate rules that make it possible for Mitch McConnell to say, yeah, but no. Yeah. I mean, that's that's basically how it works. And any any senatorial strategy that hinges on holding the whip on all 50 Democrats um, in a deadlocked Senate and then getting one either getting one Republican to cross the aisle or Kamala Harris to break the tie vote, uh, depending on what the exact situation is. I mean, that is not... That is just not legislatively tenable at all. If you didn't have a filibuster. Unfortunately, we do. So, really, everything needs 60 votes, not 50 plus 1. Yeah. And in the face of all this, 
we got shit like Joe Biden announcing he's going to appoint a special official whose job is just to reach out to conservatives, you know, to the people who are actively refusing to recognize his legitimacy as the president-elect. And he's going, well, maybe we can sit down and talk about this. It's like, dude, these guys don't think you have any right to be in the White House. The inauguration committee, which is like, you know, bipartisan, split down the middle, Democrat, Republican body, consisting of leaders from both sides, usually is a totally, like, never gets in the news body because it's completely, like, let's just get this party together so we can all get drunk with our donors kind of shit, um, was just deadlocked three to three and failed to pass a resolution recognizing Joe Biden as the president-elect. Because all three Republicans went, nope. Yeah, it's the, just... On a very wow. basic level, the Republican Party is pretty clearly telegraphing, even if it won't overturn the election, that they are not recognizing the legitimacy of a Biden government. Yeah, I mean, it's like... As far as they're concerned, the only system of government that's appropriate is one where the Senate has 70 Republican seats, um, 25 from the American Constitutional Party, um, and 5 from a yet-to-be-named fascist party. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, maybe one or two of the slots can be taken up by, I don't know, um, the Prohibition Party Well, you need something. a token Democrat in there so you can pretend that this is a democracy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the, as far as they're concerned, that is the appropriate composition of the Senate and similar ratios in the House. And, of course a Senate or Constitution Party or fascist um, in the White House. Like, that is the only appropriate method of government. All nine um, justices should be, um, you know, Federalist Project ghouls. Um, That is the only appropriate system of government for the country. And the opposition Um, to that is desperately trying These to people. sit at their lunch table <laughs> and is wondering why the popular kids in the Republican Party won't talk to them. <laughs> I mean, it's like... They're just so lost. I just don't fucking get it. I mean, it's like... It's... Is senility just the defining characteristic of the American Republic? Yes. I mean, is that is that where it is? It's... Are we just you know, not just a gerontocracy in like objective fact, but also in spirit? It's so. <sighs> and you've got fucking Obama running interference for these fucking losers. Yeah, because if, um, you know, Biden fails to uphold, um, you know, Obamaist, um, thoughts, then... 
his legacy won't be upheld. And he'll be remembered as he should be, which is the fucking loser who got us in this mess. They're pretending like it's 2015 and are not realizing it's almost the end of 2020 and we're about to enter a year that may get a whole lot worse. So, I mean... Time is a flat circle. I swear to God. I guess, I mean, the only real way to describe both where this podcast is and where at least the United States is going, especially since it looks like Brexit is just going to Leroy Jenkins the hell out of the world economy. Yep. Uh, is that we're sort of in acceleration by default at this point. The political class yeah. is clearly telegraphing that they are not going to take any substantive measures to alleviate this crisis, assuming they even understand the depth of this crisis in the first place. Which, I mean, we've been arguing this back and forth, and I I think some of them do. I think most of them don't. I, I don't think Biden does. I definitely don't think Biden does. I think I like I think Chuck Schumer does on some level because he's still demanding executive action for student loan forgiveness, and usually he is like Wall Street's favorite puppy, so Yeah, I mean it's like, you know, you gotta promise him something. Like, come on. Him and some elements of at least the Democratic Party are like dimly aware that things are worse than the stock market would have you believe but I'm not sure that like I mean may if if anyone in the Senate has a clue of how bad things are it's maybe like Bernie Sanders and possibly Elizabeth Warren on an especially bad day yeah like, I mean, and that's that's fucking. That's bleak. not enough to get shit done. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'm afraid of. That we're just gonna revert to like the same old austerity politics, and uh, the liberals are just gonna take off because you know they get to go back to brunch once they've got their vaccine. Because you know, fuck you. I'm not sure that they'll be able to go back to brunch, though. They might want to. I know they want to, but... <laughs> they want to so bad. <laughs> they can They can taste uh, it. <laughs> they can taste their overpriced brunch. <laughs> but that's the thing, is material <laughs> conditions are about to just fly off the tracks. Everything yeah. is, like... We are at a point where if you were, if you wanted to, you know, back in the napkin math, we need $4 trillion in the economy immediately, none of it going to the banks. We need rent and mortgage forgiveness. We need student debt forgiveness. We need all these things if you're going to, like, stabilize this capitalist system in a vaguely recognizable fashion. Because if you don't, then, well, we are fast approaching conditions where one of two things happens. Either things just barely managed to stabilize enough that the squad manages to like devour half of the democratic caucus in the midterms 
or Mm -hmm. things don't. And that that way lies Pandora's box. Yeah. The old question, socialism or barbarism? And it it feels like they're just mashing that fucking barbarism button. And they seem to be forgetting that usually when regimes are in a situation like this and they're going full on with the whips, people eventually stop being afraid of the whips and start just hating them for existing. And once you cross that threshold with enough people... All hell breaks loose. We almost saw it this summer. If that Um, NBA strike had gone ahead, who knows what would have happened. Yeah, I mean... Fuck you, Obama. (sighs) Fuck you. You got us into this mess, and (sighs) you prevented the one thing that could have possibly, like, created sufficient leverage to really scare the shit out of people in power into doing something useful. Yeah. But it's like, they want nothing. They want nothing. That's that's the sort of people we're dealing with here. They just know they don't want to lose <sighs> So, you know, yeah. if you're a service worker in the D.C. metro area and you and your friends all have vehicles, you know, if they should happen to all break down at the same time on the Beltway and mm-hmm. y'all decided to just sort of hang out for a while until Congress gets off their ass or runs for the hills, that mm-hmm. would be cool. So, I guess that's our last word. Um, This has been Chop Shop Economics. Yeah. Good luck out there. (sighs) Bye, everyone. Reading this so you don't have to, and you better be reading some other things, because you're going to need them all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm.